Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Kara Perez. Kara, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Kara is the founder of Bravely. She's a speaker. She's written for Business Insider, LearnVest, and Elite Daily, as well as other outlets. She is the host of the Fairer Sense podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Kara, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Uh, so I <laughs> starting off with the big question. I live in Austin, Texas, but I was actually raised on the East Coast, so I stand out a little bit here. I talk faster and walk faster than <laughs> Austinites. <laughs> and uh, bravely is about to turn three. I've been working, running bravely for about three years. It's been an exciting and challenging ride. Um, Money for me means a lot of different things. So Bravely is a community for women to come learn about money, share their stories, and be a part of what I like to think of as the growing financial movement in the United States. Um, I think more and more people are able and willing to talk about money, but a lot of people, particularly women, don't have the language to do so, and they are intimidated by the steps they need to take. So Bravely offers that education and those tools um, so we can erase that intimidation, give them the knowledge they need to take control of their life. And for me, it's very personal because I grew up in a single family household. We were very low income for a while. We were on food stamps for a few years, about six years. And although we certainly had some privileges in our lives, um, money was a huge stressor and it was a huge point of contention in my home. And it was definitely something that carried a lot of shame, a lot of, like I said, stress. And we just didn't talk about it. So I didn't have any education into my adulthood. And that really impacted how I felt about money, how I earned money. And the first three years out of college, I graduated college in 2011 with a little over $25,000 in student loan debt. First three years out of college, I waited tables and made $15,000, $16,000. And then in 2014, I was like, okay, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any money. I'm watching all my friends who have, air quotes, real jobs, make more money than me, live a life that I wish I could live because of their earnings. Um, and I needed to get rid of my debt and I needed to increase my income. So I had my quarter life crisis. I like to call it uh, crying nice. in cars 2014 because <laughs> <laughs> I would just get in my little Kia Rio and cry about my life. It was just, <laughs> ugh, it was, it was a dark time. <laughs> um, but I paid off my remaining $18,000 in 10 months through a variety of side nice. hustles. Uh, yeah, it was it was the, the time that I hustled the most of my life. I've never had, again, one of those those air quotes, real jobs. I've never worked in an office. I have never had benefits. I've never had a salary. I've always worked hourly positions or for myself. So paid off the $18,000 in debt, blogged about it the whole time, fell into the personal finance um, blogosphere and realized I love this. And then started going to events and introducing myself as a personal finance writer and telling my debt payoff story and so many people, women in particular, would say things to me like, you're so amazing, I could never do that, or I'll be in debt till I die. And I thought, no, 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 like, if I can figure this out, certainly there is something that you can do in your own life, you know, like, definitely the information is out there, you just need to find it. And so I decided to be that informational source. 
Well, I think that that's awesome. And, and certainly congratulations on never having to, to, to work in a cubicle because I think that that's a, a, a soul-crushing thing. And uh, congratulations on obviously paying off the debt and congratulations on three years with Bravely and congratulations on being a, a motivating factor and inspirational person to help other people uh, do what you did as well and take control of their money. So I think that that's great. Um, how important do you think that that the community element of it is so important. I really stress the community aspect of it. Bravely holds live events so that people can come in person and interact with each other and look me in the face as well as each other and say, I don't know anything about student loan debt except that I have it and I want it gone, (laughs) you know, or I actually have no idea how my 401k works. Can you help me with that? I think when it comes to money, so many people feel isolated with their problems or even if they make good money and they're investing, they feel intimidated by, well, what's the next step? Am I the only person who's trying to figure this out? Probably everyone else seems like they have it together. So I won't ask. And that fear of asking blocks so many people from getting to the next level. So whether that's paying off their debt or really making sure their investments work for them or getting into business or real estate or something for themselves. I wanted to create literal physical spaces as well as an online space where people could come, they could ask questions, they could cheer each other on, and it could be a safe area to talk about something that is still really taboo in our world. I think that that combination of having the online community, but then also being able to provide people with an in-person place to go is probably the combination that might be the most effective. I, you've been doing it now for, for a couple of years. Is that do do or people are probably attracted to Bravely via the Internet, but then they, they, they learn about it or perhaps it's both. Perhaps they get exposed to it through the pop up events and then really dive into it. How? How have you seen that dynamic? Yeah, it sort of is both. Definitely a lot of people find me on the internet. They'll read some articles on the website or I'm very active on Instagram. So they'll tune into one of my uh, stories on Instagram and then they'll see, oh, she's doing an event near me. I'm going to go to that. But also people who have previously been to an event, they'll bring a friend or something like, oh, you have to come to this. And then they'll start following me online. It's kind of the reverse process. So I love that. I think I think it's good business. I capture people in different ways, right? I'm always capturing my leads. Sure. And B, I think it's really important because some people, they are self-starters and they can read an article about the best way to organize their finances and take that and run with it. And some people, they need a little bit more encouragement or they need to see somebody else say, I need help with this. And they're thinking, I need help with that too. Okay. (laughs) You know, like that's my person. So I think in order to serve the most people and to reach the most people, the blend of the online and offline has really been the best approach. Yeah. I think that that makes sense. You talked about serving the most people and what I was thinking about when, when you were describing um, how you're connecting with people and the impact that it's having is just being an effective I don't want to call it advisor, but be an effective counselor or, or advisor. And I thought about, uh, you know, Dave Ramsey is probably the most successful and, and popular financial advisor in the country. And he really doesn't talk about complex financial stuff, right? It's all behavioral stuff and helping people to get out of debt. Do you think that that 
a lot of the mass financial media makes mistakes by talking about complex things instead of really focusing on on trying to change behaviors? I think the <laughs> that's such a good question. Um, yes and no. I think the biggest mistake that the media makes is they actually speak to one narrative over and over and over again. A lot of the main financial advice centers on middle to high income earners. All those articles on on the bigger financial news sites are always like, if you're making $85,000 a year, meanwhile, the average American makes $59,000 a year. Right. Um, and so I think that's a really big problem. I think we need to versify. Uh, I think we need to diversify the narratives that the media shares. I do also think we need to acknowledge the role that personal commitment, as well as um, structural issues, play. There's a lot of things that you, as an individual, can do to take control of your finances. And we also live in a world that has social structures that affect your money. And there are some things you can't do. So I think that's also something I want to see more people in media on both a micro and macro level discuss. Okay. And when you say social structural issues, what does that mean? Yeah. So something that I'm really passionate about, obviously, is educating women. Women face the wage gap. Um, Women make less money than men. And that breaks down along race lines. So um, black women make less money than white women and Native American women make less money than black women. And to ignore that narrative in the media is to do a disservice to these women because not every not every piece of advice is going to apply to every type of woman. Right. So I'd like to see some more nuance in the advice and in the stories that we share. Okay, I appreciate that. And is it is it a matter of it's probably all these things because several things can be true at the same time. <laughs> is it a matter of that simply it's it's injustice that needs to be addressed and changed when um, you mentioned that Native American women uh, potentially make less than 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 the general market of women, or is it a matter of that Native American women in this example just need to be made aware of that? And then they need to be more empowered to ask for additional money. Well, I mean, that was a really difficult question. That yeah, I just asked. <laughs> no, it's, it's a very good question. And I'm glad you asked it because, yes, I mean, systems need to change in this country. We definitely have we have crazy high levels of inequality in this country. The gap between the rich and the poor has been growing for the last decade. And that is not just boiled down to individual choices. That is the fact that healthcare costs are ballooning. That is the fact that cost of living has skyrocketed in the last 10 years and wages have not kept up with it. Wages have stagnated in the United States in the last 40 years. And that is on this big picture structural level. And we are also seeing this this shift to the gig economy where people are, they are not getting retirement benefits. They are not getting healthcare benefits. So they are assuming they're the entire financial responsibility for that, which obviously impacts how much they're able to save. Um, but to go back to what can individuals do? Yes, certainly. I do think individuals can say, okay, I'm recognizing this problem in my life. How, what actions can I take as an individual to address that? So to put the, the onus on me when I realized, oh my gosh, you know, 
no one is going to ride in with a six figure job and healthcare benefits and hand it to me. Um, I need to figure this out. I was 26. I was able bodied. I was college educated and I was like, okay, great. I'm going to pick up every single side hustle that I can to increase my earnings because in 2014 I made $18,000 and I knew that wasn't enough to pay off my $18,000 in debt. So I was able to maximize my side hustle potential and change my schedule and work all of those jobs. But someone who is a parent and has to take care of their child is not going to be able to do that. But if we had something like government subsidized childcare, it would be easier for them to change their schedule and to pick up more work or to spend time learning how to negotiate. So I think it needs to work on both levels. Yeah, I think if if real change is gonna happen, I I think that you're right. So. So the first part of that, uh, before I ask you about the social structure issue, was was the personal commitment, and um, and I 100% agree. We've 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 been talking about that, but what what specifically do you think that that people need to be doing from a personal commitment standpoint? I think the first thing that everyone should do, no matter what you're trying to achieve, is gain real clarity on exactly what you want. I was able to pay off $18,000 in 10 months on what would ultimately be a salary in 2015 of $32,000 because I was hyper clear on what I wanted. I wanted debt freedom. It was the one thing I was working towards and everything in my life was optimized to help me reach that goal. I talked about it with my friends all the time. I talked about it with my boyfriend. I picked up all those extra side hustles. I ate catering leftovers. I ate rice and beans. Like I, that was what I was doing. And that allowed me to achieve really fast, really clear results. So I think clarity around what you want and then reverse engineering how that process has to look is really the place that everyone should start. Yeah, yeah. Having that single-minded determination, having clarity around what you want and then not letting anything stop you from getting there or or, or at least try. How is is your perspective on, on, on... on this changed over the three years? Has it, I'll just ask the question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it, it has a little bit, I believe more strongly than I did three years ago about clarity and about commitment. I used to try to multitask. This is just like a day to day thing. I used to be like, Oh, I'm going to have this tab open and I'm going to be listening to this podcast and et cetera, et cetera. No, I can't multitask and humans aren't very good at it. Right. Right. (laughs) So just understanding better how I work has allowed me to grow bravely in new and different ways, which is exciting. And it also, I think what's great, this is going to sound a little silly, but what's great about me is having gone through that period of debt payoff and of just soaking up everything I could about personal finance. I think it puts me in a very good position to speak to younger women, predominantly my audience is 20 to 35 or women who are in the middle of a big change in their life and they're kind of starting over. Um, it puts me in a good position to speak to them because I've been through it. I have, like I said, I've eaten those catering leftovers and I have made those extra debt payments and I have lived the truth that I am trying to get these women to live and to see. So I think it makes me very relatable. And 
it fills me with like a very, very fiery passion about the work that I get to do every day. So what's changed in three years is that I believe more than ever, you need to be clear about what you want and you need to get the tools and the support that will allow you to achieve that goal. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I, I do. I think it's awesome. I think it's so important to be vulnerable with people, especially if you're going to get up in front of people and, and talk about making changes like this and talk about how they need to make tough choices and to maybe cut back in certain areas. You better be relatable and you better be coming from a place of knowledge and, 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 and of caring and all those things. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So, <clears throat> well, Kara, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? I would say biggest difference making tip I have for everyone is say no more often. <laughs> you don't need to say yes to everything. And that's personal and professional. You can say, no, honey, I need to stay in tonight and work or no, I need to stay in and take care of myself. And you can say no to professional things to protect your time. I think that is great stuff that definitely gets Come on. Come on. I mean. You better be able to say no. Otherwise, your calendar is going to be full with stuff that is not a priority for you. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. And Kara, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they learn about Bravely? Where can they learn about the Fairer Sense podcast? You can find Bravely www.bravelygo.co, not .com. I couldn't get that domain. It was $10,000 outside of the budget. Um, You can find Bravely on Twitter, at BravelyGo. On Instagram, it's at WeBravelyGo. And The Fair Sense is my podcast. Um, Season three starts in January 2019. Very exciting. And we are on Twitter at Fair Sense. Um, And that is me and Tanya Hester of Our Next Life. We talk all things uh, women and money. So it's a good show. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show care your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Follow her on Instagram and Twitter. Go to bravelygo.co and check out the podcast as well. Thank you again, Kara. Thank you for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.